I want to thank you again today for coming. It's such an honor and a privilege to be able to uh, talk to God's people. And today we celebrate love. Amen. It's what we call Valentine's Day, but I want us to celebrate God's love because that is the love that counts. Amen. And it is through that love that we are able to love and show love to one another, which is so awesome. So bow your heads with me. Father, we celebrate your love today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us first. And Father, help us to try to even understand, Lord, your love and how deep and how high and how wide and how long that it is, Lord. Who can estimate your love, O oh Lord? We thank you so much for it, Father. And it is today that we celebrate your love. Father, I pray that you would empty us out, Lord, and fill us with your love. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Father, so that we may begin to understand and to comprehend your love, Lord. We thank you for it, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. When you come to Light Christian Center, you can get a couple of really good sermons before the the pastor or the speaker even steps up. You, how many of you know that? That's such an encouraging word. You know, the, <clears throat> it always seems, pastor told me he, he's going to be gone about a couple of weeks ago and that he'd be going, he speaks at this conference almost every year in Colorado and asked me if I would speak. And along about Thursday morning, the devil tried to take me off my purpose for uh, what he called me to do this week, and that's encourage you in heart so that you would be at ignat. Uh, uh, ag that you would be encouraged in heart and united in love and so that you could experience the full riches of understanding in Christ Jesus. Amen. I, got a, I came down with a cold and started feeling bad. And I got a call from one of my Christian brothers Thursday morning. And he said, the conversation went like this. I said, hello. Because I felt I sounded a lot worse than I do now. And he said, what's the matter with you? <laughs> and I said, well, I, I think I've got a bad cold. And I caught myself kind of right in the middle of that, and I thought to myself, I don't think I've ever had a good cold, have y'all? <laughs> and he said, well, I got, a, I got a remedy for you. You'll be well by in the morning. He said, you go get you some bourbon, you go get you some honey, and you drink that down, and then you drink you a half a bottle of NyQuil, and you'll be well by in the morning. I paused just a minute, and I thought, if I don't die of alcohol poisoning first, I said, couldn't you just pray for me? He said, okay. That's a true story. And he gave me permission to use that today. I want to talk to you about, about God's love today. And You know, Pastor, last week, he shared about the Church of Philadelphia. How many of you were here and heard that sermon? The Philadelphia church is the, is the overcoming church. It's the full overcoming church. And the Bible says that it had a little strength. Well, that's what we have is a little strength. But I want to be in that Philadelphia company of churches because that is the church of full overcomers. That is the, that is the church that will be raptured out of here. That and the church of Smyrna. That will be, those are the two churches. Out of seven churches, two of them, there was no deficiency found by the Lord, the righteous judge. 
Five of those, serious deficiency were found. We're going to take a look at that in just a moment. But I want to be, I want to be in that Philadelphia church, raptured out of here. Now, if, if the Lord comes before this message is over with, how many of you want to clear out with me? Praise the Lord. I want to be raptured out of here. It's going to be a great, great event. And it could happen, literally before we're dismissed from this service today. Every prophecy, everything that needed, needed to come to pass before the rapture has happened. And now we wait. And that's what Pastor was talking about. What do we do while we wait? And to be a part of that full overcoming church means to be loving Jesus as Savior. Because people say, well, what do, you, what do you mean by being a full overcomer? Here it is. It's loving Jesus as Savior. It's loving Jesus as the appearing king, the conquering king. It's loving Jesus as the bridegroom. Now, we celebrate Valentine's Day today. I'm sure everybody in here knows how that uh, uh, tradition evolved. But uh, Valentine was a third century prophet. And he's, he uh, lived and served the church there. And he, uh, there was a rumor, a rumor, a ruler called Claudius II, who was uh, an evil, vile ruler. And... Pastor mentioned this earlier, I think last week, that he was trying to raise an army to protect uh, th their cities. And he sent out a decree knowing that the young men would rather get married and have families and be with their wives. So he sent out a decree uh, making it literally illegal for a man to marry. Well, uh, Valentine knew that if that decree stood, that there would be immorality because that if they couldn't get married, that they would still, you know, uh, have relations. And he thought, well, it, it better do what God has called me to do, and that's fulfill uh, the, the articles of my faith, marriage being an ordained covenant by God. I'm going to just marry people, and I'm going to do it in secret. And he did. He was found out, and he was thrown in prison. And the... Uh, story goes that the jailer, he'd become, he was, he was a, a real congenial, uh, Christ emanated from him. He was a real uh, uh, just loving Christian man. And the jailer had a, had a daughter that was ill. And he brought her to Valentine and he prayed and she was healed. And after that, the king Claudius found out about it and he... Uh, sentenced Valentine to a terrible death. And before his death, Valentine wrote a letter to the jailer's daughter, and he signed it, You're Valentine. Now, that's great to celebrate that love, but we're here today to celebrate the all-encompassing, the immeasurable love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to do. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap for his love. I want to I start today this, and by the way, I, I told my wife this morning, I said I had this message trimmed down to about 30 minutes. I went to bed last night and preached it 
to myself for two hours and got up this morning about <laughs> 5 o'clock and trimmed it down to about 30 minutes again. So we're going to have to get going, but I'm going to stick close to my notes so I can stay on track. But I want you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Revelation. We're going to look at another church today. Pastor, uh, he preached a, a stirring sermon on on the church of uh, Philadelphia last week. Today, I want you to turn to Romans 2. And we're going to talk about and read about the church at Ephesus. Starting with verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you can tolerate, you can't, cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do, do, thing, do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To whom, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So we're going we're gonna to talk in the next 30 minutes about, about love. We're going to talk about forsaken love, lost love. We're going to talk about God's love. And we're going to talk about our love and how it applies, how God's love affects us so that we can go out and do like Valentine did, what God's called us to do. Because that is all that's important, church. We live in a time that is really, really exciting, I think. Because like we talked about, the rapture could happen any day. If you look out across the world and see what's going on and cannot read the signs of the times as it's listed in the Gospels, then... We're just not paying close attention. It's, it's that time. We're in that age. Uh, we are allowing, in, under the name of tolerance and our rights, all sorts of immorality and our leaders to take us down a path of literally almost no return unless we repent. In my opinion, the United States of America looks just like the, the church at Ephesus here. I want to tell you a little bit about this church in Ephesus because I think it's important to have a little bit of history before we move on. Church at Ephesus was the largest and the capital city of Asia Minor, which is in western Turkey. You can imagine that. All these churches, the seven churches, were in western Turkey. I talked about five of the churches. The Lord found serious defi- deficiency. In, in the first chapter of Revelation there, you read that. We're, gonna, we're, we're not going to do it today for a second time. Pastor read it last week. But you see Jesus coming as the righteous judge, moving among the lampstands or the candlesticks, which are the seven churches. And in his right hand, he holds the star, the seven stars, which are the angels, which are the messengers. That word angel 
means messenger, which are the pastors of those seven churches. Now, you've heard pastors say that one day I will have to call up Light Christian Center and we will give an account to the Lord for what we did as a church. I want to focus on that because that's so important right now, church, that as we live in these very last days, it's so important for us as a church to get a grip on what God's called us to do so that we can get out there and get it done so that when we all, as the collective body of Light Christian Center, stand before the Lord with our pastor, we will hear, good, well done, thy good and faithful congregation. That's what we want to hear. And that pastor is preaching the bridal message. It's a message that you don't hardly hear anywhere where else. And it is being preached right here in Light Christmas. It's the message of the full overcomer. Now, how does the Bible say that we overcome? In Revelations 12 and 11, it says that they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. We've got the blood of the Lamb. Let me tell you, have you ever gotten a glimpse? Has the Lord ever showed you just a little bit about how much he loves you? You know, when I think about the fact, that, that picture that you know, we've had up before with, you know, I, I put myself in that man's place holding that hammer. And Jesus is standing behind him holding him up. You know, that, that's me. That, there it is. That's me. And when you put yourself in that place with that hammer in your hand, knowing that you nailed him to the cross, it changes the way you look at the way you love him. We put him there. I said that Ephesus was the largest city. It was a trade capital. It was a market city. There was all kinds of comings and goings there. Uh, it was the most important city in Asia Minor at the time. The Apostle Paul started the church there. It was a large, very strong church. The Apostle Paul wrote both of the letters to the Corinthians from there. John wrote the gospel, his gospel and his epistles from here. He lived there in the latter part of his life. This place was a strong, strong church where the, the, the best, the, the purest teaching was happening. Yet the Bible says that but Jesus said that they lost their first love. They forsook their first love. In the midst of all of this, one of the seven wonders of the world was located also in Ephesus. It was the temple of Artem Artemis, or Artemis, which is the Greek word for that fertility god that had all of those rows of breasts. It was an ugly, lewd-looking goddess that they worshipped. The Romans called her Diana. And she was the most significant pagan idol of, of, of the day. So you can imagine that not only a very, very strong church had risen up out of Ephesus, 
but around it was all sorts of lewdness, legalized prostitution and homosexuality. Whatever you can imagine basically went on there. It was, it was a vile place. There was a, a philosopher named Heraclitus said that you could not walk down the street in Ephesus without crying at the, the decadence and the immorality that you saw. So it was, a, it was a pretty rough place, even though the Lord had planted a, an extremely strong church there, the, and they had done great works, they lost their first love. You know, today, where that temple stood is a swamp. The ruins of it have sunk down into the ground, and it no longer exists. The other sad part is, is that church no longer exists, too. You know, Jesus always, when he walked through these churches, and, and he started at Ephesus. And I, I want to tell you one more interesting fact. Uh, Sir William Ramsey, who was a, a, a master archaeologist, said that if you started at seven and you started in a clockwise circle, a radius or a diameter of a hundred miles, that you would walk you would walk through every city and every church of these seven of these seven churches listed in their biblical order, starting with Ephesus at seven and ending at, with Laodicea at five. These seven churches encompassing the entire church age of which now we are living in that Laodicea, in that lukewarm church area. But don't be fooled. Every one of these churches, every one of these church attitudes, every one of these church conditions exists today. Where do we want to end up? We want to be in that Philadelphia church. That's where we want to be. They forsook their first love. Now, girls, you know that when your husband asks you to marry you, asked to marry you, you got really excited about that. I know you did. And you spent the rest of the time from there until the marriage getting ready in anticipation and just, you know, expectance, you know, being, expecting to start your life together. You were consumed with that, weren't you? Yeah, you were. I know you were, because us men are too. We're excited about our bride. We're excited about our bride. Yes, you know, I've been married 43 years. My wife's back there. When she walks in the room, I immediately calm down. She has a calming effect on me. She really does. I've been married. We're going to be married 42 years. Yeah. And I don't know how she put up with me for so long, but she has. And pastor's got a year on me, but that's okay. I want to concentrate a couple of things here. I'm going to start back up here at Revelation 1, 17. I'm going to read some scriptures. Because this is John from the Isle of Patmos. Jesus has appeared to him. He heard a sound. Jesus has appeared to him from, the, from behind. And John turns around and he says in verse 17, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Because it was, read that, the rest of that first chapter, and you'll see 
That's a, that was a sight to behold. He said, I felt, I fell at his feet as though I would, was dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Amen. He established his, his authority right there as the righteous judge. We know very well who is doing the talking. But somewhere in Revelation 2, between verse 3 and 4 in the King James Version, there was a nevertheless, a however, you have lost your first love, which I believe was listed first because I believe that to be the most egregious loss right there. The most egregious offense to Christ, they lost their first love. Now, back to what I was telling you. You know, all of us can kind of remember our first love. I married mine, okay? But we can all think back to when we thought we were in love with somebody. We really, now knowing what we know, or not really, we weren't really probably in love, but we thought it was our first love. It was our first love, so that was something to remember. But when it talks about the first love here, it's not talking about a point in time. It's talking about a preeminent love. A pre that word preeminent means supreme, okay? The, it means highly valued. It means you're the most important love. And where we get into trouble, churches, is that we get so busy do, doing, taking care of church stuff that we lose sight of our first love, our supreme love, our, our preeminent love. And this is what we have to guard against. We can be out doing God's work, but, you know, without that love, you lose that relationship. Amen? We have to be careful of that church because we see that this was a most serious offense uh, I wrote down here just as a thought that they loved Jesus as Savior they loved his appearing as king they loved him as the bridegroom and that is where they fell from that love of watching and waiting. How many of you want, want Jesus to come? How many are you looking forward to him coming? You know, this is my prayer. I want to make sure he knows I'm watching and waiting. I say, Lord, if you should come today, you take me and my family with you. It just lets me know that I'm watching and waiting. He knows. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. And that's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. <clears throat> that preeminent love that Jesus had, that we have for Jesus, should produce preeminent works, okay? Now, here, is, there's a fine line between, you know, grace and works, but as a church, God has called us, like Christian Center, to fulfill a specific purpose for our generation. If, when you get that down in your spirit, it's going to change the way you look at our church, God has placed this church, has rooted this church, has seeded this church here to grow it so that we fulfill our purpose for this generation. And you, as a part of that church, are the, the most component, important component of that because each and every one of you have a gift. 
And God wants you to use that gift working in our church. And we'll get to more of that in just a minute. But I'll, right quick, I want you to turn over to Ephesians 2, 8, 2, 9, and 2, 10. <clears throat> and we're going to read that right quick because, you know, we're saved by grace. And we're going we're to read that. We don't have to do anything for our salvation. That's talking about that, that immeasurable love that Christ has for us. Okay, let, let's read that. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, you know, I normally stop right there, but there is the coolest scripture right after that that we got to look at today. Because 10 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Do you know what that means? He ordained you to do good works. He gave you the gifts that he needed to give you to fulfill your destiny for your generation right here out of Light Christian Center. Get a grip on that. Because you are predestined to do that. This is my youth Bible from many, many youth sermons years ago. So it's an NIV. So if you're wondering, what's he reading out of? That's it. But it says to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's got a predetermined destination for you. All you have to do is walk in it. You have the ability to choose. God forces nothing on you. But he wants you to take up what he's called you to do and use and hone the gifts that he's given you like you've seen here today, Brother Gabe. These singers, these dancers using their abilities and their talents in such a marvelous way to bring the fire down. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And, you know, it doesn't go there from Mr. Benny keeps this place so clean. That's, that's a work. But, you know, Christians working back, they're working back there in the sound booth. Every position is so important. You are predestined to do good works. Chapter 11 of Hebrews is the faith chapter. There you will see that faith is described and you see its results. I love just reading down through the chapter uh, uh, Hebrews. But where I really want you to go to is James 2.26. Because we've been told that it's by grace, the unmerited favor, the power to do God's will that we are saved. Not of works, lest we be bragging about it. And that's true. That's human nature. But it says in James 2.26 that faith without works is dead. Now, we were saved through faith, I mean, by faith, through grace, but here we are in another place in God's Word telling us that He expects us to get busy. Faith without works is dead. And you know something? That 
what he did for us on the cross. If you could just think about that. Think about that. We deserve death. We deserve what he got. We deserve that cross, that crucifixion, that whipping, that beating, all that spitting, that crown of thorns. We deserve that. He took it for us. So when you talk about being a full overcomer and being immersed in the blood of Christ, I tend to get a little excited about that. Because it is exciting. Because that means your ticket has been punched. All you got to do is hand it. Praise the Lord. You better get ready because that's, that's the truth. That's the truth. God's love is so immense. And I'm going to read some familiar scriptures to you. But you and try to understand John 3.16, a familiar scripture. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Apostle Paul, in a prayer to the Ephesians, was trying to help them get across, trying to help them understand God's work and how much love that he actually had for them. And he prayed a prayer for them. It's a beautiful prayer in Ephesians 3.14. And I want to read you that prayer. And as I read, I'm going to stretch my hand out to you because I want it to be for you. Amen. It says, in, starting in verse 14, the third chapter of Ephesians, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpassed knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. I pray that prayer for you. We will never be able to understand God's love. I don't care how much we try. We'll never be able to understand it. We'll never be able to measure it. We'll never be able to calculate God's love for us. God's love ought to call us to action. This is it, church. This is what we got to do. It ought to call us to action. There's a call to evangelism in, in uh, John 21, 15 through 17. I told Miss Rachel she gave a great message Wednesday night. She used part of my scripture text. But I want you to get a grip on this. How do you keep your first love? Okay? How do, how do you maintain that first love? John 21, 15 through 17. Jesus, uh, uh, the disciples had been out on their boat fishing. And they hadn't caught a thing. And Jesus was up on the bank, and he told them, he said, hey, y'all cast your boat every 100 yards out. He said, you cast your nets out on the right side of the boat, and you're, you're going to catch some fish. And they caught so many fish, they couldn't even drag them all in. They looked back up on shore, and Jesus is cooking brunch, grilled fish. And they, get, they walk up there, and, then, and they had brunch with Jesus. And when they had finished eating in verse 15, Jesus said, Simon Peter, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, 
feed my lambs. Verse 16, again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of Barjona, because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Oh, excuse me, I skipped. Said the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Want to know how you please the Lord? Want to know what he wants you to do? He wants you to win the loss and develop the save. That's what this is telling us right here in this church. And like Christian Center, we want it to be the model church when we stand before the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, this, was, this is typically referred to as the Great Commission, and it was one of the last things that Jesus told his disciples before he ascended. So it must have been important. Amen? He said in verse 18, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, that ought to propel us into action. Those two things, when we find out what, what the Lord wants us to do, what, what makes him pleased with us, what assures us that we are operating in that first love mode is to get out and win the lost and develop the saved. And that's what it's all about here at Light Christian Center. And I know we talk about this a lot, but it's the most important thing. It is the most important thing is to get, as a church, to get out there and evangelize. Amen. We do a good job of that here at our church. But this place is going to be filled. I'm telling you, it's going to be filled. And because we have the message, we have, we have the cure, if you will. So you just get ready for that. Be planning on how we're going to receive the new babes in Christ. And let's, let's start working in your area or continue working in your area or pray that God would show you your area that you can minister and serve in. You know, in the Bible, there's a number of places, three or four places that talk about running the race. Each one of you have a race. And I had... Uh, mentioned earlier about you know fulfilling your purpose for this generation uh, in Acts 13 36 it says that David fulfilled his purpose for his generation and that's what we want to do we want to be we want to fulfill our purpose for this generation in Hebrews 12 1 through through uh, the third verse, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us throw all of those things off and let's, let's really ascertain, assess what's really important. 
It says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's another glimpse that God has predetermined, preordained a destiny, a race for you. It's marked out for you individually. It's marked out for us collectively as a church. As we work together, every part doing its job, we will be successful for Christ and we will be in that Philadelphia church. That's the idea here is not lose our first love. How do you, how do you avoid growing weary? Well, let me finish that. I better finish that scripture first. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How do you keep from growing weary and losing heart? You know, we get, we get to doing what we do, and sometimes we just get so wore down that we just kind of lose focus of where God wants us to be and what he wants us to do and what our preordained, destined race is even sometimes. I see you children's workers laboring, man, with your, I just visualize y'all with you having your shoulder to, the, to the, this giant cart and you just got it rolling. And that so encourages me to do what God's called me to do, which at every opportunity is to, to encourage you to do what God's called you to do. Because when you're doing that, we're all, th this machine is going to be running like a fine, old, finely tuned uh, operation for God, if you will. You know, Jesus, as he spoke to the churches, he's so graceful there. He walked through. He identified each church, and he uh, called them by name. He identified who was doing the talking, and he identified all the good things that they do. What we re need to realize is, is that no matter how much work we do, how many good deeds we do, if we lose our first love, we're, we are in trouble. It's not about the works. He wants us to do the works, but it's not about the works. It's about the first love. If we'll keep that in mind, we won't grow weary. But I like the fact that even though Jesus, he started out by laying out all the good things you're doing. You know, you're doing tons of good things, and here they are specifically. But nevertheless, your deficiency is a serious one. You've lost your first love. He doesn't leave it there and let you wonder out, what do I do? What does he say? He gives a remedy. He says, repent. Repent. That's all we need to do is repent. From the bottoms and the depths of our heart is repent. And he puts us right back on track. But unfortunately, because that church is no longer in existence, they missed it, along with four others. They missed it. And Jesus removed their lampstand. I don't want that to happen to us. We don't want to miss it. 
It's so important that we understand that. He gave the remedy and he told them exactly what to do. Repent, but then he encourages them and go back to what you were doing before you lost your first love. So that's what we can do. We, can re we repent in our personal lives when we've gotten off track. We repent as a church congregation when we've lost our first love. And we get back in the race doing what we are supposed to do. You know, I ran some track in high school. And I know that every race has a strategy. And I know that at the end of almost every race, unless you're a sprinter, which I was a sprinter, but I ran a mile relay and I was the start leg on the mile relay, and I hated that race. The coach made me run. <laughs> Any of you ever ran a quarter, that's the hardest race, Jazz can tell you. It's the hardest race in, in track because it's an all-out sprint with everything you got for 440 yards. My heart felt that big around, <laughs> like it was going to blow up every time. My job was to finish either, eat, if I could win the start leg, do it, but don't don't come in less than three steps behind. He had a sprinter at the first, which was me. He had a sprinter at the back, which was a guy by the name of Millard, and he had two distance guys in the middle. His strategy was that I'd sprint and keep up. The two distance guys would wear them down, you know, at their legs, just running, and that Millard, the fastest guy on, on the track team, would, would take care of it. And he always did. But at the end of every one of those races, the last 50 yards, the coach said, you've got you to give me a kick. Yeah, i got to have a kick. And people that never have ran track may not understand that. But no matter what you've given, how much you've given, how tired you are, the last 50 yards of that race, buddy, you better come up higher on those tiptoes and you better let it all hang out. And I can tell if you don't. <laughs> so the kick is where we're at right now. Amen. It's time. We're at the end of the race. We're at the last 50 yards. It's time to come up on your tiptoes. That's the way a sprinter does. He comes up high on those tiptoes and he turns it on. You've got to tell yourself, relax. You see these runners finishing these races, they're all contorted, they're tight. And they can't run their fastest race. You've got to relax in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that he's done everything he needs to do for you to give you what you need to get done and to operate in the gift that he's called you to operate in. Amen? And kick. Come up on those tiptoes and kick. That's where we're at, church. We're going to pray a prayer of repentance here in just a minute. It's 1145 and I'm almost done. Another way to, uh, to avoid growing weary and losing heart while running your race or losing your first love is to get in your anointing. Yes. Get in your anointing and stay there. Use a weight over there. His anointing is, is details and finance. He takes care of business, and his wife, I know, is uh, part of that, but he takes care of the details. That's his anointing. He works so well in that. If I put Wade as praise and worship leader, he'd really like it, but I'm not sure we'd get to the very throne of God, okay? <laughs> like we do when Gabe's leading it. But he's good at what, he's, what he does. 
And where we get discouraged is when we are talked in by somebody to operate in some area where there's no anointing on our life. We know that God has given gifts. We know God that has appointed you to work. We've already established all of that. So the next step is figuring out, if you don't already know, where God wants you to exercise the gift that he's given you. And most of you know what your gift is. I'm going to say that. I'm just going to say that. If you don't, ask God and he'll show you. But it's that area of strength that you will operate in individually and then collectively in this church that will make us leap to new heights and to make our kick even faster. Miss Chantel, Miss Lacey, they are, they are they're naturals at handling kids. They're naturals. We got, we got, we got 60, 70 kids in here. On Wednesday night, some nights more than that. I mean, you ought to, if you want to be blessed, just go over there and see what Light Christian Center is doing in this community because most of those kids' parents don't come to church here yet. But I'm telling you, it, it, it's amazing. It's amazing what they do. And I'm going to say this, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Listen to God and not necessarily so much to people because people will always disappoint you. And as, you know, now, I'm not, I, want to, I want to qualify this because there's people in your life that you trust that are Christian people and that you know seek God on your behalf. That's a good thing to counsel with them and, and, and seek wise counsel. But just be careful who you share it with because it's human nature that envy and strife and all sorts of, you know, things like that would come in and they... And, 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 the devil just might, you know, try to use them, even though they love you. He, he's sneaky to take you out of your anointing. So be careful who you share that with. I'm not going to say too much about that, but we know, we know that we all fight the flesh. Amen? So, and that we overcome the flesh. That's what the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do. So just be careful who you share it with. And, you know, don't think that... That devil, because he's so sneaky, won't use some of the closest people to you sometimes. Look at Peter. What did he tell Jesus after Jesus told him, I must go to Jerusalem, I must endure the cross? Peter said, Lord, wait a minute. His protective nature came out. I love you, Lord. Don't go. Jesus recognized immediately who it was that was doing the tempting. Amen? He recognized, let me tell you, if the devil will try, will use Peter to try to tempt Jesus and think he can get away with that, don't think he won't try to tempt you. Jesus hung on that cross at his weakest moment. Who tempted him? Satan through the thief. If you are who you say you are, come down from there. Jesus recognized that was his weakest moment. But in his weakest moment, there was way more strength than the accuser has. Amen? He nailed him. Not only did he, boy, he, he went down, took everything he had. He took his keys to death, hell, and the grave. If Jesus has the keys to death, hell, and the grave, what are we to fear? What do we have to fear? He's got, he's got all that. He's our Lord. He loves us immeasurably. We can't even understand how much he loves us. 
I get excited when I think about that. Samuel, not in, in 1 Samuel 15, 24, Saul literally forfeited his destiny to please people. So I just want to emphasize, get in prayer, ask God what he wants you to do, focus in on that, and he will use people to confirm that to you. That, that, that what he's spoken into your heart. He will use people to confirm that. But Saul confessed in 1 Samuel 15, 24, I have sinned, I have violated the Lord's commands and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. In John 12, 43, talking to the Jews, Talking about the Jews, he said, for they love the praise of people more than they love praise from God. Seek God's approval. Seek God's, uh, 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 his praise, and you cannot go wrong. People will sometimes try to take you off your purpose, and you just can't let them do that. And even sometimes, again, God plants things in our hearts that he wants us to pray about, that he wants us to ponder. And it might not be for sharing with just everybody yet. Amen? And I look at the case of Joseph. You know, Joseph had a couple of dreams. Both of them were kind of unusual. One of them were, you know, uh, his brothers were characterized as she's, and they all bowed down to him. And then he had another. He told his brother about, brothers about these two dreams, and man, they got really envious and really jealous, and they sold him into slavery. Now God was in every bit of it, but that's that's a case to where I think you need to be careful. Uh, you know, sometimes until God uh, gives you the. Uh, Ability to share it, I think that, or the liberty shared is the word I'm looking for, that sometimes you should uh, just, you know, let that grow in your heart. And even Mary, when she, you know, was told by the Holy Spirit that she was going to conceive without knowing a man, she, the Bible says she pondered that in her heart. She didn't share it right at the time. So our purpose here at Light Christian Center is to help you as individuals stay focused on what God's called you to do, and that's what we want you to do. Stay focused. We want you to understand God's love and how it pertains to what he's called you to do here. And I'm going to close with Colossians 2. It's our mantra here at Light Christian Center. It says, my purpose is that you be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, whom are hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, we love you. And Lord, we just pray, Father, that you would help us to understand your immeasurable love, Lord. I know that we'll never understand it, but just a glimpse, Father. And as we thank you and celebrate your love today, Lord, that you have for, you have for us, and the love that you, working through you, that we have for our wives and our husbands and our families and in our church, Lord, we pray that you would just anoint us, Lord, to operate in that love. 
and to do what you've called us to do as a church, Lord. Father, we repent right now, Lord, of any area as an individual where we have uh, egregiously grieved you, Lord, and we ask for your forgiveness for that right now. And Lord, where we, as a church, Father, as a collective body, has, have displeased you, we repent of that right now, Lord. We want more than anything to be, for you to be our first love, Lord, our preeminent love, our most valued love, our supreme love, Lord. And we thank you that you gave us the opportunity to, to repent, Father. And, and to be restored, Lord. And we ask right now, Father, that you would help us as we leave this place to think about what we've heard today, Lord. And if we're not already in our kick, Lord, in the end of this race, help us to rise to our tiptoes, Lord, and kick for your glory. If there's anybody here today that you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, we read in John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And and in Romans 10, 9 and 10.10, it says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved. That's all it takes. It's easy. And I know that you may not really even love the Lord now if you haven't ever been saved, but... I'm not sure I loved him either when I first accepted him, but I did it in faith knowing that his word is true. And that love will commence to grow in you once you accept him like you wouldn't believe. He'll reveal himself to you daily and you'll love him more and more for who he is. So if you have never accepted him, don't worry about this. Just accept him in faith as your Savior and pray this prayer with me. Lord, I repent of my sins. I ask you to come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Save me, Lord. And I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a real simple prayer, but that's all it takes. Repent and accept. And Jesus is your Lord. And that's all you have to do. Stand with me, church. Thank you for being so attentive today and patient. And I just really appreciate you all being here. Thanks for all the help the guys gave me this morning getting ready to go. And uh, I just want you to be basking in God's love today and in the love of your spouses and of your families, but just remembering the price that he paid for you and what he's called you to do because that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Father, we love you today, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your word that's gone out and for the worship, Lord, that we had today, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a pastor that preaches the truth. Father, where that you would bring them back safely to us, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would watch over our